Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and in today's special episode, we're continuing our Avail's Merry Little Podcast series, a four-week series revisiting Avail's most popular episodes that we feel will benefit and encourage leaders. In this second week of our Avail's Merry Little Podcast series, we're revisiting our discussion with Chris Bowen on how listeners can maintain a forward focus and a mentality of improvement. Through many years as a coach, Chris has gained valuable insights into self-improvement. Without further ado, let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Avail Leadership Podcast. My name is Virgil Sierra. I'm the Avail Media host, also the lead pastor of Vertical Church, a.k.a. Iglesia Vertical in South Florida, where we are one church, two languages. And as always on the Avail Leadership Podcast, we are with an amazing leader today. And I have this opportunity this privilege of connecting here with all of you and with Dr. Chris Bowen. What a privilege it is for me to connect with a man who's been in ministry, a man who's been in business, uh, a man who likes to likes to build and to found things. Uh, Dr. Chris Bowen, thank you so much for taking time of your schedule to pour into the leaders that connect here at the Avail Leadership Podcast. How you feeling? Fantastic. And it's a pleasure to be here, sir. I'm super excited to be with you guys today and just believe that this is going to be a a very insightful hour. So I'm excited to be here. So good. You know, one of the things we we do here every time we have an Avail Leadership podcast is we like to we like to pick at the brain of the amazing leaders that we have as guests. We like to pick at the experiences, the knowledge, the understanding, and of course, we know that God has gifted you in special ways, uh, uh, Doctor Chris. So many people that maybe know about you, they've heard about you, but there's a lot of people who maybe this is their first contact with you. Would you mind maybe sharing a little bit about your story, uh, unraveling a little bit about how you got to where you are here today? Absolutely. Well, actually, I'll begin when I was seven years old and I went to a church by mistake and felt a presence behind me and said, my little preacher, but my family didn't really go to church. In fact, I came from a very dysfunctional family. And so it wasn't until I was 15 that I found the Lord and was connected with Dr. Sam Chan. Uh, I was 15. He was 28. And I moved to Atlanta to go to Bible college to get away from all of the dysfunction. Found myself at Beulah Heights University, where I received my degree. And my life just started moving forward at a very positive state at that point and uh, started a church in a little hotel room with 15 people at the age of 24, thinking that I had a degree so I knew everything, but realized I knew absolutely nothing. And it was uh, an amazing journey. I pastored for 27 years with Living Faith Tabernacle. We went through seven building expansions, uh, $8 million sanctuary. And I felt when I turned 50 that the Lord was saying, release this to a successor. The only issue was I didn't have a successor and I didn't have anybody to turn the ministry over to. I wanted to pass a baton to somebody rather than a cane. And so I really began to pray. And the Lord showed me a young man that was actually a student at Beulah Heights University. And when that happened, I knew that he was the one to take the ministry. He was never set under me. He was never in my church. I have 28 pastors under me currently. He was not one of those, but God showed me this young African-American gentleman. My church was all African-American. And so uh, I released it to him. 
him. We planned on doing a six-month transition, but when he announced that he would be taking over the ministry, they let him go. So it was okay. We moved in six weeks. We transitioned out. He transitioned in, and it has been truly a dream come true. He has done fantastic, and God has opened many, many other doors. I'm now full-time professor back at that same university. I uh, received my doctorate in pastoral care and counseling in 2011, and now I'm a professor. Uh, also have uh, my business five-star personal corporate development, where we're developing people to become what they could not be. So we help them launch their dreams. Only 5% of Americans today actually fulfill their dreams. And wow. so my company actually helps develop that and helps people to realize what that dream is. Um, I've married for 36 years to my wonderful wife, Kathy, that I met at Beulah Heights University. Uh, Dr. Chan did our wedding. Uh, she was actually his secretary back at his home church in Michigan. So it kind of is a, a full turnaround. Uh, have two amazing sons, both in full-time ministry and uh, two great uh, daughter and loves, I call them, and three of the most perfect grandchildren in the world. So I am one of those, uh, Pastor Virgil, that's really living my dream. I really am. And it's been an amazing ride. The things shifted for me at the age of 51, and now I'm almost 56. So I'm really living my dream today. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. That was a great summary because you kind of took us from the way beginning to where you are now. Just, side note, this is not kind of a leadership question, but doc, did you say that Dr. Uh, Sanchan officiated your wedding? He did. I was 19 years old. My wife was 21 and he officiated <laughs> our, our, my wedding. I was 15. He was 28 when we connected. So uh, wow. we way, way, way back. Yeah. I may want to ask behind the scenes for some pictures. Did he sing or play an instrument at the wedding? He played every instrument. He actually led worship at our conferences. Uh, he, was, he played the guitar. He played a little bit of everything, saxophone, little piano, and led our worship in the, uh, in the uh, affiliation that we were with together. That's how I actually met him. Love it. Love it. Just a little poking a little fun at Dr. Sam Chan, who is one of the co-founders of Avail. Okay, so uh, I love this conversation already, uh, Dr. Bowen, because... You, you have experienced both in ministry as a senior pastor, you know, involved, you know, 100% in, in church, but then, you know, you have your own business, right? And, and you do a lot of coaching and consulting as well. What similarities or differences do you see between maybe your, your former work when you were kind of 100% senior pastor of the church, and then now as founder, principal consultant of five-star personal and corporate development, you know, what would you say are some similarities, some differences? in those roles? Well, I think that a lot of the similarities are some things that people just really need to have in their life, which is integrity. Some of the similarities that I'm seeing is that people realize that we have to redevelop ourselves after a, a few years. We can no longer stay where we are. And so yeah. some of the things we have to do is we really have to see what got us to the point that we're at, but not having the fear to do something totally different than we've ever done before. So uh, a lot of people get stuck back in the past. And I remember when my mom and dad could not control control the VCR. And I said, I will never be that one that can control a simple <laughs> device. But now at 56, I'm finding that there's new technology that I'm struggling with and I'm refusing to go there. So <laughs> churches, ministries, businesses transition. The way we did it a few years ago is not the same way that we do it today. Many people go through five major transitions in the lifetime in, in their business, in their, in their um, employment. And so it used to be back in the day that you would stick with the same job for your entire career, but that no longer happens. So I think transition is a key here, being able to embrace it, being able to move forward with it and not being intimidated by it. Love it. Love it. I think, 
I think it's a great point. Um, some people would think these are two totally different jobs, but there are some similarities. There are some things that are common at the same time. There's differences. Now, um, I want to jump a little bit into your coaching and your consulting. This is something that, that you're, I'm sure you're passionate about. This is something you've been doing for, for quite some time now uh, and that you help others do. Um, what are some overlapping trends that you see when you're coaching people, uh, whether it's people in business, people in ministry, or or pastors specifically, um, do you see overlap in in the needs that they have as a consultant and how you're helping them? Yeah, I, I think people has needs no matter what field they're in, whether it be in the business realm, whether it be in ministry, um, that that people are are finding that there's they have to again to recreate themselves and, and to reinvent themselves. And what coaching does, and what my practice does, is really finds the heart of why are we really here anyway? Is it to be a pastor? Is it to be you know uh, an entrepreneur? Is it to be a business owner? And I can tell you, I did not find out until 13 years ago of what my past was and what my calling was. I always thought it would be a senior pastor. I loved pastoring. I don't have the horror stories. I had a magnificent church. Um, I don't have any of those bad stories to tell and all the dreadful Mondays. I didn't have those. And so the same Mm. thing in businesses, if we don't if we're not living our life and what we're passionate about, whether it be business or corporate or, or church or ministry, I think that we wake up with a, a bittersweet waking up and thinking, why, why am I doing this? It wasn't until I was diagnosed with terminal cancer and given six months to live that I really found my purpose. And you know what? During wow. that time, I found out my purpose was not to pastor. I, I did. I found it was not to run my corporation and my business. And I had three businesses at that time. And I found my real purpose was to give hope. And I realized at that moment of my life, when I really thought that things were going to turn for the worse, I I learned then of what my passion was. And that was to help people, whether it be a crowd of 10,000 or it be one-on-one at the gym, doesn't matter to me. That is my passion. So I think that trend and that factor that people are missing is they have to do what is naturally gifted to you to do. And once you find that passion, once you find that gift, you can move in it, you can be motivated in it, and you want to wake up. So it's that kind of that thing that you would do if if you didn't have to get a paycheck for it. What would you do? I love giving hope. And I think that's where people lack the most. And that's the trend that we need to fall into is really developing the purpose that you're here. And I know it doesn't sound spiritual to say, well, I'm a pastor, but that's not, you know, it, it was my gift. It was something wow. I was doing. But at the same time, it wasn't the big picture. The big picture was now that I'm not pastoring, people are like, how does it feel not to pastor? I'm still in a pulpit every Sunday. I'm teaching uh, now instead of 2,000 people, I, I'm training thousands of people on a daily basis. So I wow. think we need to stop putting ourselves in a box and worrying about what people say mm-hmm. and just fulfill your dream. I love that. I think, I mean, that's so good. What you're sharing right now, I think a lot of people need to hear this, uh, Chris. I really do, because I think that people can get stuck in their in their own personal frameworks or they can get stuck in what other people think. Um, how did, let me just poke into a little bit what you just mentioned. How did you figure out, um, this is it, this is not, this is not, I mean, I can do this, I can do this, but this is it. This was it, was it a specific questionnaire? Did somebody come along and help you specifically? Um, was it a process or was it in a moment for you that you realized, no, no, this is what I was designed for. This is where I find the most fulfillment. 
Yeah, again, I think it was during the process of my illness that I really, really found my purpose. And I think people miss that point when they don't really pray about and seek and find the purpose that they're really destined to be on the earth for. So mine was at a moment's time, but I, again, I had to really realize that what God was trying to do was much bigger than I really thought. I thought this is going to be it. Um, you know, when Dr. Chan and I, the organization we was in, if you had a church of a hundred, you were a mega pastor. And so I came to Atlanta with that process. If I can ever get a church to grow to a hundred, man, I have made it big time, you know? And so it was a small mindset. So we've got to expand our mind to really know what our calling and purpose is and not worry about, again, I think that too many people fail because we're trying to satisfy other people. When I stepped out of the pulpit for the first Sunday, people was like, you have lost your mind. You have a thriving ministry. Things are going great. But I knew that that wasn't my calling anymore. I knew, and let me say this very clear, is again, I love my ministry. I love those people. Mm -hmm. I love my church. But I also knew when that calling lifted off of me. And mm -hmm. I could never think of a greater calling. But I, I'm telling you today, my gifting and my calling has shifted from pastoring to now pastoring pastors. Those that are hurting, those that are going through an affair, those that have lost a companion. Wow. That is my gift because I know the pains that they go through as a pastor that you don't have a friend. The average person dies with five real friends. The average pastor dies with less than two. I don't know how they come with less than two, but we don't have people that we can confide in. So I think that we really have to connect ourselves to people who we trust and really have our best, uh, our best insight in mind. I think some people can relate with something you just said, uh, depending on where you're coming from, what your experience has been, where you grew up, we can have, even though we don't know it in the moment, we can have a, a a small mindset or, yeah. or a limited mindset. You just said that, that you had to expand your mindset. How do you do that? How do you find, how, how did you do it? I guess in your, in your walk, in your journey, and how do you help people expand their mindset? This is what I've known. You know, yeah. like you mentioned it, I've been part of this organization and this organization, you know, a church of a hundred is, 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 is the goal or in this place, this is what expected, but how do you expand? How do you help other people expand their their, their possibilities. Yeah. I do a whole teaching on that, on it, just because I think people get stuck where they are and people always get offended, especially when I go in to do conference calls. Usually everything I do is built around the pastor, teaching people how to support the pastor, take care of the pastor, find the needs. That is my gifting and calling. And the first thing I do is I call the pastor up and I say, I've been evaluating your pastor. He's average. He's just an average pastor. And he is. Every pastor that I've ever met is just average. I've never met one that's beyond average. And so immediately I get the church's attention because immediately <laughs> they don't like this speaker because they've called their pastor average. But what is the average of? And we all have heard this, but just putting it this way, you grab their attention. We're the average of the five people that we hang around. So I realized if I was going to expand my horizon, I had to stop hanging around people that pastor churches of 100. Now, I don't mean that bad. I mean, I want to cater to those. I want to grow them. But if your mindset is that I'm only going to grow to 100, then I've got to move on because I want to see you grow. I want to see you expand. I want to see you move. If you are the same place today that you were five years ago, we need to stop and do a reevaluation. If we are always around negative people, we're going to become negative. I always tell people this, that I always have a little saying come to me after a conference and say, I don't know why everybody brings me the gossip of the church. Well, I can work in the prophetic or I can work in the common 
common sense. And I can tell you, if you have everybody bringing you gossip, it's because you're a gossip because birds of a feather flock together. So I realized I had to be around Dr. Chan and I knew Dr. Chan before he became big. And um, I started hanging around him because I knew that potential that was there. I love being around Dr. Maxwell, different ones that I have seen in, in my lifetime. And I realized I had to connect to something bigger. My church grew bigger than the size of the city I grew up in. And so I realized I had to get people with big mindsets, people with big vision, people with big dreams to where when I came, man, if I could just hit 100, I'll be doing great. And so you have to saturate yourself with people who've been there that's going where you want to go. You, you, you're not uh, who you want to be. You're, you're who you surround yourself with. So we got to really make sure that we surround ourselves with the right people. That is so good. Just that, everybody. Come on. Just that is worth this podcast. Okay, so I want to I wanna delve into um, what I believe is your most recent book, uh, Beyond Five-Star Quality. Just the title catches my attention because, you know, I'm a pastor who's built, especially in this season of my life, I, wanna, I want my church to grow. I want our organization to grow. I want the people that I'm pastoring and shepherding to grow spiritually, professionally, you know, and excellence is a big factor for us and, 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 and um, passion is a big factor for us. But when I hear this title, Beyond Five-Star Quality, I mean, five-star quality is great, but this is Beyond Five-Star Quality. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about this book? How do you go beyond five-star quality? Well, if I was going to pay your way tonight and you were going either to the uh, Four Seasons Hotel or the Lucky Seven, which one would you pick? <laughs> Four Seasons. Four seasons. And why would we do that? Everybody would. And of course, some people feel like that, you know, we got to suffer for Christ, so they would pick the lesser. But if I were saying tonight, what is the purpose of that? The purpose is we go where we feel valued. They both have beds. They both have showers. So why would you pay five, six, eight times the price? And it's because how they make you feel. So I wrote this book for the church. I had a real burning heart for the church. And let me tell you how this unfolded. I pastored this large church, three services on Sunday morning, a Sunday night service. I had the most friendly church in the city of Atlanta. I knew it. I was absolutely convinced of that. So I went undercover. It made global news. I went undercover and I made myself up as a 78-year-old African-American male, homeless man. In that service that I went into, I was removed from my own sanctuary three times. I was collecting money. I took in less than a dollar and a half in three services, and they removed me from my building because of my appearance. I was absolutely stunned. I was shocked that my church was not. They were friendly in front of me. They were friendly to me. But when I come in disguise as someone else, that all of a sudden they treated me differently. It was the worst day of ministry in my life because it was a realization factor that, hey, not everybody is the same behind your back as they are to your back. So now I go in as a secret shopper and I see how people treat me, um, not being a pastor, not being a part of that church, just to see how, how I'm treated. I will get saved. I will go through the class. I will do everything to be able to take word back to the pastor and say, this is what I experienced. I go in the bathroom to see if there's toilet paper on the roll. I test the lady at the back door. I try to get an offering and get change back. All those things to test out the leadership <laughs> of that church. And I can tell you, most churches are never pleased with the report that I give them. And then my company evaluates that church from a zero to a five star. 
And it's very difficult whenever you step back and you're really analyzing and saying, is my church really doing what God has called me to do? We should be the best amenity and quality care out there. Now, I wrote this church, uh, this book, five, Beyond Five Star Quality for the Church, but you know what? Edward Jones grabbed it. And I taught it at Edward Jones. That was not my purpose. I taught it at the Atlanta Police Department. The entire academy grabbed a hold of how do we treat people? Um, I, I, I taught it at McDonald's Corporation. And I... I, it, it's fine and it's great, but I want the church to realize that we should give the best possible quality ever. When I checked uh, my wife and I in for our 35th wedding anniversary at the Ritz-Carlton, you know what? When I got there, uh, they said, sir, will you be spending the night? I said, yes, could we have your name, Dr. Bowen? And so when I got out of the car, he greeted me, Dr. Bowen, your luggage is already inside. I don't know how they got in my trunk, but they did. They already <laughs> had the luggage in the door. When I got to the front door, the guy opened the door and said, Dr. Bowen, good to have you back. I got to the concierge desk, Dr. Bowen, uh, let me take you over to the receptionist. When I got to the receptionist, she came from around the counter, already had my contract assigned. When I got to the room, Dr. Bowen, welcome you and Mrs. Bowen to uh, for, for your anniversary and your stay, there has to be seven personal touches for somebody to feel welcome. At days in, you don't get that. You don't right. get that. I would go back to the Ritz-Carlton, the Four Seasons Hotel, because they make you feel valued. Let me ask you this. In church, when is the last time that you left church saying, wow, I really got pumped up and I feel valued? Because churches don't grow because of pastors anymore. That stopped 12 years ago. Now it grows from the pulpit out. If you don't have somebody friendly in position, if you don't have somebody uh, meeting the needs of, of giving you an envelope or a pen or taking care of you and giving you good customer care, I don't care how good you preach. I don't care how good the choir sings. People won't go back. They are now seeing what kind of service they get coming in and going out. If you're parking, it's horrendous. People's not going to come back. If that backdoor greeter is rude, they're not going to come back. If they're embarrassed or pulled out, they're not going to come back. Wow. So no matter how good you preach, no matter how good you preach. And my wife always wanted to go see this great orchestra that we have in Atlanta. And we went a few years ago. And can I tell you, getting in and out was a disaster. The greatest show that I've ever seen, $300 a ticket, the greatest show that I've ever seen in my life, but I vowed to never go back to that show because even wow. though it was a great experience on the platform, getting in and getting out was a nightmare. So I would never go back for those reasons. Same thing in church. So we have got to grow our company, our churches to become five-star, to look at the little things. Is the carpet wrinkled up? Is there toilet tissue there? What is it you're doing to make people feel special and valued in your ministry? Okay, you know what's interesting about this, and, and and by the way, I love what you're saying because I think this is an aspect that especially churches and pastors can easily overlook. I think, I think because of the not of the not so spiritual nature of of some of this, it, it seems as as not as important. But here here's what I'm kind of deducing by what you're saying, Doctor Bowen. I think I think that um, pa churches and pastors we tend to ask a lot of questions like. Hey, how was the word, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, were the worship songs, you know, uh, doctrine, doc doctrinal, you know, we can come into all this kind of spiritual and, and, and doctrine, hey, and, you know, uh, the, the teaching. And this is all very important. Of course, we're a church and, and we're pastors. We want this. But the question that seems that it seems that a lot of churches and pastors may not be asking is how are we making people feel? Right. How are how are people feeling? when they enter our parking lot, when they walk through the doors of our building, how are, how are our people on staff and volunteers making them feel valued, welcome, you know, part of, 
Does this, is this, is this sound right? Absolutely. If you go into a restaurant and the food is absolutely the best food that you've ever eaten in your life, I mean, the food is off the charts, but your waitress is lousy. She has a bad attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't fill, fill your drinks. She brings out the food, you know, and the food is fantastic, but you have bad service. You won't go back because of the service, not because of the food. In the same way, if you go to a restaurant and the food is mediocre, but man, she is on it. She's polite. She's kind. She's making you feel value. You'll go back. <laughs> Why would we do that? It's because we want customer service. People will pay. I tell people today, if you open a company in America today with customer service, it will thrive. Why is Chick-fil-A so fantastic? I personally, Chick-fil-A, the food is okay to me. I'm, I'm not a big Chick-fil-A food person, but if I'm in a hurry, guess where I'm going to go? If I need gas yeah. quick, I'm going to go out of my way to go to Quick Trip because of customer service. People will pay for customer service. Um, there's been a lot of uh, people talk about Chick-fil-A service, and it's because they do it right. I wish that I could find a church that had those qualities within the walls that Chick-fil-A has in the drive through It's amazing. And the same thing, as I said, I will go back to restaurants because someone treated me nice and was kind to me. Even the food was mediocre. Then to a restaurant, the food was dynamic, tasted great, but the service was lousy. So in the church, people are looking for a church that's real, that's kind, that's genuine, that makes them mm-hmm. leave saying, I'm glad that I went. How many times have you gone to church and left and said, oh, I feel bad. I just don't know if I want to go back. That lady was rude to me. This happened. And again, doesn't matter what the pastor does or, or the choir sings about. If we don't have that quality care, we got to do something to get them in. I was criticized most for putting $5,000 in front of my church in flowers, live flowers. We were in the most poverty area of Atlanta. We built this magnificent, gorgeous uh, $8 million structure, and we would spend $5,000 every season on flowers. They're like, that's wasting money. We didn't have a lot of money. But I knew that if we didn't have something appealing to a community that was going down, that they would never come in. They could never hear. They could never see the quality of service that we were giving. So we had to do something to pull them in. And so people are like, well, just because I'm anointed, people's going to come. Doesn't happen in the 21st century. We call for more. <laughs> you know, this is so good. Um, I'm, this is the way I'm looking at it now. I want, I want to have good food and good service. We can do both, and I think, I think, I think that's right. the idea here. Okay. So, so based on your experience, based on beyond five star quality, let me let me just throw this at you. Um, what would you say are just a few, a few? A few key areas that maybe consistently over time, specifically with churches, right? Um, that that if 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 we just paid a little more attention, you've mentioned a few examples, but maybe what are some common things that a little bit can make a big difference? Just just a little things. What is it that churches are doing to stand out? And I don't think that there's a cookie cutter, and I don't want there to be a cookie cutter. I want you to look at your area of ministry. Again, my church was in the most poverty-stricken area of Atlanta. So what we did is um, I went into the ladies' bathroom. We had 18 ladies' bathrooms in our church. I picked the main bathroom um, that was right by the sanctuary, and I hired somebody to come in with a little white towel to put over their arm with a silver platter, and we went to Macy's and bought bought five $100 bottles of cologne. And every service, we would give uh, whoever went in that bathroom a squirt of cologne. Out of all those 18 bathrooms, where do you think 90% of the women went and stood in line when they didn't have to? 
They went to that bathroom because it made them feel special. So there's no one technique. I think that some obvious things are if you have a greeter to make sure they're friendly, that they smile, that they want to be there, uh, right. to have ushers that are nice and ge- congenial and friendly. It, we're, we're known to have the most hateful ushers in the world, and I don't know why. We would never do that in any other corporate situation. So, you know, having um, somebody to park a mother that's pregnant and carry the car seat in. What a, a statement that makes for people to see and people to experience. To have a golf cart if your parking lot is big to drive those that are disabled or get up a little bit closer. Uh, having parking spots, any of those little things that make you stand out is what makes it so big. Now, when I did this with the ladies' bathroom, we, I mean, we decked it out with sofas and, and nice chandeliers. And, and I mean, we did the whole night. We did everything really nice in there, wallpaper. The men got jealous. And I was like, guys, we don't care. We don't care what the men's bathroom looks like. But we had to totally renovate the men's as well because they felt some kind of way. So find what niche that you need to make people feel special in your community and really go for it and make them feel special. Yeah, I think one of the things I'm hearing loud and clear is it really is important what people are feeling. We should always ask ourselves our questions. How are people feeling when they're coming to our sanctuary or auditorium? How are they feeling when they walk into our restroom? How are they feeling when they're out in our in our uh, parking lot? How are they feeling when they're walking through our lobby? I think if we do that, we're going to be more attentive to those details that that might seem small, but make a really, really big difference. I love it. Beyond five-star quality. A little bit ahead, uh, Dr. Bowen, you can share with us how we can find that book and we can find you. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, what, what advice? I think that there's some leaders uh, listening in right now, leaders, pastors, people of influence in, in ministries and organizations that, that, are, that are really looking to pursue meaningful change in their organization, okay? Like just meaningful, real change because maybe the way things have been going hasn't been giving the results that are desired. What advice would you give to that leader? Well, I think we have to look at two words when we start talking about change. Are we trying to change or are we trying to transition? Uh, change is is external. Uh, transition is internal. And so mm. when we start looking at those two things, what is it that we're trying to change? What is it we're trying to do? Because obviously we can't stay where we were at through the pandemic over the last year. And, and people talk about 2020 being rough. I can tell you it was the most blessed year of my life. It really was. It was a mm. fantastic year. I have nothing bad to say about 2020 because anybody that's willing to change knows that 2020 set you aside. How did it do that? There was some things and some people that you had to let go of. There was just some things that you realized during that season. And everybody came on the leveling field a year ago. Everybody. Nobody was in buildings. Nobody was in sanctuary. So what what was done was everybody was leveled out. And now you had a choice. Either you went with the change or you died. People who didn't go with social media, people who didn't rebrand themselves, remake themselves, ended up dying out simply because they're not willing to change. Sears went out after over 100 years. Why They were back in the day, they were the thriving store because they were willing to do what no other store did. But they got stuck in the midst of the process. And what they started out doing, they were no longer willing to do it. Other other places, other department stores overseeded them and therefore put them out of business. So likewise, if, if we're going to change, remember, that's an outward appearance. The, the way we go to church, you know, if it's a building on the Internet, that's an outward. But the deep thing is the transition. The transition is a heart issue. 
are we transitioning? Are we doing it properly? Are we doing it healthily? Are we are we uh, superseding of what's expected of us? So in the change, I think that we have to embrace it instead of saying back there and trying to hold on what used to work. It doesn't work anymore. And I, I'm afraid to say that churches will never go back to the way they were ever. And that's a thing of the past. And that's not a bad thing because change and transition moves us into a more excellent way, even though we don't see it. And the reason we don't see it, the older we become, the more we don't like change, but we have to change and move forward. So again, breaking those two down, change uh, is the is the external. You know, I can, I can mm-hmm. change some things about my outward, you know, my appearance. I, I didn't change when I left my ministry. Uh, I transitioned. Uh, change would have been the, they just see me not there anymore. But transition is when they called with a complaint. I said, I'm not over this anymore. You got to go to the pastor. He is the new go-to person. That's transition. So I think we really have to define and understand the difference in those two words to properly make an effective change in this 21st century and where we are today. Yeah, that's true. That's true because it is very possible to change something on the on the outside, but really not cha- not transition internally. And so right. then, you know, how effective that change is, is directly related to how committed we are in our heart to it. Um, that's a really great, great way of putting it. I had never heard it that way. Um, I think that's great. You mentioned, you kind of alluded a little bit to the whole situation with, you know, with the pandemic from 2020. And as we're here recording this, you know, beginning of 2021, um, as a consultant, right? And in, in, in this season, as a coach, um, as a pastor, the leaders and pastors, right? Um, what are some of the patterns that you've seen specifically throughout the pandemic? In other words, uh, you probably were called in to bring some help or bring some, you know, uh, some direction for, from some organizations. And what are some patterns that you've seen that are that are maybe a re- direct result of what businesses, organizations, and churches have gone through with the pandemic? Well, I think that everyone had to go through that. And if you survived it, you had to rebrand yourself. I mean, I was in a pulpit every Sunday, somewhere globally, every single Sunday. And when this pandemic hit in March, that stopped. I was in the air 235 days in 2019, uh, very few days in 2020. But it was either like, I'm going to sit here and twiddle my thumbs and can't wait till this gets over with, or saying, okay, how can I assist and help? And so with that, that's when my consulting even went to another level. And uh, I started, pastors started calling not to invite me to speak, not to invite me to be on their uh, on their uh, social media platform for Sunday, but hey, how are we going to get through this? What, uh, what are we going to have to do different? So I went into consulting. Several churches I went in would, had the great opportunity of meeting every person by Zoom and being able to hire, fire, move, transition people into the right places. And with that in mind, we had to look at those and do total new job descriptions. One church, I did 42 different job descriptions because this was the time for them to clean house. This was the time for them to go in and say, this person is not really sure what they're supposed to be doing, and we don't even know who they answer to. When you start getting into mega ministry, sometimes they get lost in the loop. Yeah. So my job was to go in and see what they could not physically see. And I'm like, okay, well, who does this person answer to? Well, everybody just knows. No, they don't know. So we have to be able to describe and put in place. So that's when um, I went in and, and started consulting more, consulting more, and now I'm speaking more again uh, than consulting. But I learned that I had to take the gifts that God had given me outside of just preaching and put into practice the things, the knowledge that life has taught me and the wisdom he's taught me as being a senior pastor. And so those gifts have changed. And I believe that 
God has given all of us that. Some people are still kicking and stomping, but they can kick and stomp all they want. They have to be able to make <laughs> those moves. It's 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 just simply, it's a change that's going to happen and we can fight it, but eventually we're going to lose that battle. So we have to transition those, those areas of our life. Yeah, um, you mentioned a little while ago, well, two, two comments that you mentioned caught my attention. I think probably a lot of leaders as well. Number one, uh, uh, I guess your approach, how 2020 has been a blessing in your life, right? And obviously, we, we, I understand that you're speaking in terms of it didn't stop you from your calling and from what God has placed in, before you and in front of you, despite the challenges in the world. Um, but then also, um, I guess, a shift in, in, in what, you were, what you literally were able to do. You weren't able to travel 235 days uh, in 2020, so things shifted. So for you, for, for Dr. Chris Bowen, what, what other changes specifically happened as a result of this pandemic, you know, one of them you mentioned was less traveling specifically during that season. How else did this uh, impact and make you shift or change what you do? Well, the, the hardest one for me was staying at home. Uh, I'm not a homebody. I don't like staying at home, but I realized that that had definitely changed. Um, there's there's several areas. I'm also a professor at a university here in Atlanta. Um, mm. I am hands-on. I like being, that's that piece of my, my overall picture of hope. I like to actually touch my students, be with them, help them through crisis and issues. Mm-hmm. And the university shut down. And now it's even selling off to campus uh, because they know that they're not going back in the same capacity that they did before four, such as dormitories, et cetera. Um, and so now we went to a virtual classroom. Can I tell you that was the hardest transition for me? And I thought, you know what? I'm just not going to teach anymore because I can't learn this new, new system. I cannot <laughs> figure out how to grade papers here and do this and put uh, people on video here and put them in groups and chats and all that kind of stuff. And I said, no, if I am going to lead this thing, I have got to learn. I've got to be uncomfortable with everybody else. My students were uncomfortable. Students were ready to give up. But you know what? I found that after I spent a month before that first semester of learning the system, I knew their frustration. I knew their aggravation. I knew why they wanted to give up because I was there a month earlier. So I had to lay the forerunner before them. So I walked that before them and then I kept them engaged. I didn't lose any students in the last three semesters because wow. they couldn't figure out the system. And again, it's part of, of who I am. I want to give them hope. You can do this. You can learn this. I've got students that are in their 70s that are in my virtual classroom. And can I tell you, they're the best students that I have at the university. And it's more challenging for them. And I don't grade them on a lesser scale. They're really doing the work. So I think that that has been one of the biggest areas for me because I too want to say, I'm going to sit back, wait till this thing ends. I'm going back into the classroom. I've learned a new way. I don't have an hour commute to get there. I don't have an hour commute to get back. I love it. And I hope we never go back to campus, <laughs> but I've learned a system, but it also took me out of my element of comfort. And once we're willing to get out of our element of comfort, then we can truly learn. And when we learn, we can share with others. That's so good. I, you know, I think that that's the tricky part about comfort is that it feels so good, mm-hmm. but it totally paralyzes and limits our progress and our growth. Uh, that's so good. Um, as we're kind of heading final stretch here, Dr. Bowen, on this podcast, uh, let's just say I told you, hey, we have this group of leaders. There's young ones, you know, there's, you know, older ones and everything in between. If you, you could give one piece of advice to leaders, regardless of their field, or their, you know, or their area, whether it's marketplace ministry, but, but just one leadership advice, kind of an all consuming kind of word, what would that advice be? I think if I had to narrow it down to one single word, that word would be integrity, keeping integrity. 
uh, through whatever season that you go through. I think that is important for everybody. That's something that you're finding less and less of. And we moved into a place I'm afraid of in ministry and churches of where we're trying to impress and compete and jockey against somebody else. And that's not what it's about. We're all team players. And I think that if we just realize our purpose and our calling finding that place that we know that we're anointed and not be intimidated by that. Somebody's bigger, somebody's smaller, but that's not, it's not what's in it. Keeping that integrity and really fulfilling that calling and, and staying, you know, making sure that you're taking time for yourself. I'm a big advocate of that. I spend the first two hours every day at the gym and my devotions and at the gym time, because I know that if I don't sew into me, that I'm going to be useless. And so I realized that I've got to do that. I go into conferences that I'm not teaching. I don't have to be teaching to attend a conference. I, I came in last night to avails for a few minutes because I had uh, minutes in between two classes. And I said, I got 15 minutes. Either I can take a break or I can get inspired. And that's what I did. I chose to be inspired. So I think that we have to invest in ourselves and realize that we don't have it all. We have got to continually be fed by someone. Someone's got to be pouring into us. I'm pouring out and I'm pouring out and I'm pouring out. And I can tell you, I'm going to get burnout. And I don't use that word lightly because I don't like that word. But the reason if burnout really happens, it's because we're not allowing things to be poured back into us. So I would say the leaders across the board, young, old, middle-aged, uh, African-American, Caucasian, Hispanic, whatever it is, to make sure that you are getting poured into. Take that time for you. I wish I would have had somebody to tell me this when I was pastoring. I was independent church, uh -huh. so I didn't have people over me. And I see my, my downfall with that. I didn't do everything right with my family when I had two boys at home. I, I went to all their games and that kind of stuff. But there's so much more that I could have done had I had a father figure or someone teaching me. I, I want to share this, if I may, that you remember when the woman had the issue of blood, she had that issue for 12 years. And when she got healed, where was Jesus headed to? He was headed to Jairus's daughter's house to heal her, which how old was she? She was 12 years old. Now, there's a strange coincidence there that the woman had the issue for 12 years and she was he was going to a 12 year old girl's house that was dying. What is the sequence there? The sequence that people often miss in that context is simply this, that God has raised up the older to teach the younger. And so we have to use that opportunity as we become older to teach the younger ones the way they should go, not standing in their way because they're going to do things differently. And so we've got to encourage them and we've got to push them to go and do whatever it is that they need to do. And we need to support them and be behind them. It's not going to be the way it's always been. So keep the integrity, move forward and make sure you take care of yourself. Wow. I love it. That's a good word. Leaders, avail leadership connecting people. This is a good word by Dr. Chris Bowen, integrity, making sure you're being poured into. I love that. Uh, before we get some uh, final thoughts and remarks uh, today from you, Dr. Bowen, um, how can people find you? How can they find you online or maybe social media? How can they find, you know, uh, the, the five uh, beyond five-star quality book Give us some of that information. Okay. The easiest way to contact me is by my website, www.drchrisbowen. It's just drchrisbowen.com. Um, my my um, uh, website is the same. Uh, that's my, uh, I'm sorry, my email address. My website is drchrisbowen at, uh, 
at drchrisbowen.com, I'm sorry. Uh, on Facebook, it's christopher.bowen.5686, Twitter at Dr. C. Bowen, and Instagram, Dr. C. Bowen as well. So there's all kinds of ways. My books are at Barnes & Noble. Um, they're uh, amazon.com. And of course, we have a, a warehouse here as well. They're available at www.drchrisbowen.com. We can get those out to you as well. So many ways you can connect with us on social media. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Make sure you guys, if you don't have that book, Beyond Five Star Quality by Dr. Chris Bowen, I think it will serve you well as you're leading your organization. Also want to mention, Dr. Chris, uh, the Avail Journal, the Avail Journal. This is a, a, an amazing journal that, that has so much uh, quality content, such great resources for today's leaders. In fact, the, the heart of Avail is to produce uh, practical, relevant leadership content. Um, do you have anything to say about the Avail Journal? Have you had a chance to look through them? And of course, I have. It is absolutely amazing. Every story is encouraging. And I have an 87 year old mother that lives with us. And can I tell you, she reads every word of every magazine. In fact, I just went in, she broke her back six weeks ago, just went into her bedroom and she said, Uh-oh. Hey, I'm on page 86 right now. This has got some good stuff. Everybody needs to read this book. It is inspiring. It's encouraging. It gives hope. Uh, the Avail magazine, I, I, you know, I know it's new and it's just out, but man, it really has changed and encouraged people's lives. This is part of my dream, giving hope. And that magazine gives hope. It's fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And I want to let everybody who's listening or watching, remember, you can get a free annual subscription to the Avail Journal by going to availjournal.com. It's a free annual subscription. It's not just one free magazine. By the way, you never want to throw these away. They feel so good. They look so good quality content. Uh, Make sure if you haven't done so, go to availjournal.com. You can get one free annual subscription. You're not going to regret it. It's going to help you on your leadership journey, not to mention uh, connect you with other leaders in the process. Um, This has been so good. Dr. Chris, as we're closing off here, uh, what would be some final thoughts that you want to leave us with? I I think the Lord has given you just one of those giftings that you have is knowing what we're to bring at the right time for the right people. So knowing that we have a lot of leaders connected right now, listening, watching this uh, podcast episode, what do you want to leave us with? I think I want to leave a question with those that are viewing and listening by podcast today of how long are you going to wait? When are you going to really fulfill your destiny and your purpose? Because God has given you a very special divine gift. And many people go to the grave with that. The wealthiest place in the world is the graveyard because people have died with dreams inside. <laughs> and I encourage people today to, when, when the Lord calls you home to die empty, that you have poured everything out into everyone that you could, that you take nothing to the grave with you. Find that purpose, seek out that purpose, that calling, that anointing, that gift, and develop it to the best of your ability so that you can really live your dream, that you wake up the next morning. If you follow me on any social media platform, everybody knows my hashtag is hashtag living my dream. I was at the airport the other day and going through the airport, there was a little boy yelled, mommy, there he is living his dream. And I have no idea who the little lad was, but I'm so thankful and so glad that that's my characteristic of who people see me as because I really am. I'm living my dream. And I just want to encourage people that are listening today to stop the routine of everyday life and take a moment to live and truly live your dream. That is a good word. Hey, that's the question Dr. Chris Bowen has just released to you. What are you waiting for? Uh, Dr. Bowen, thank you so much for taking time to connect with us on behalf of our entire Avail team. I just 
say we are honored to have you and we honor you. We thank you for your leadership. We thank you for the example that you are, the, that you've been modeling in your life, in ministry, in business. You are truly an inspiration to so many of us. And we just want to say we, we see you. We're thankful for you. And we believe the Lord has even greater things ahead. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thank you so much, sir, uh, sir, for having me. It's been a great pleasure. And I pray we inspire somebody today. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this special Christmas episode of the Avail podcast with our guest, Chris Bowen. Remember, you can connect with Chris by going to drchrisbowen.com. And you can find more leadership resources by visiting us at theartofleadership.com. Make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail Media host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Podcast.